Good morning. It is great to be with you. We have uh, enjoyed being a part of um, your ministry in the faraway place in Madrid, Spain, for almost 10 years now. Uh, but actually, my relationship with the Mary of this church goes back to when the first came here in 98 or 99 and uh, somewhere around there. And I came up here. I, at that time, I was the missions pastor at Christ Presbyterian in Nashville. And so part of my job was to oversee the church planting efforts that our church was involved in. And so it's just been a privilege and a blessing to follow the growth of this church, to have worshipped with you when you met over at Austin P. And, uh, of course, the, when the church was particularized out here on the front lawn, I was here that day. And it's, all, it's just been a few visits over the years, but it's, it's a great feeling and privilege to come back and, and worship with you. Um, let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. And we're just going to read four verses from um, chapter 12. It's not the verses that are... Ah, sorry, turn on here. It's not... Are listed at the top of your outline. If you want to, if you're looking at that, it's not Mark 9, 1 through 13, but rather Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, just four verses. It's the call of Abraham, or Abram, before his name was changed. <clears throat> now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. And make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now let's flip over to the New Testament. I want to read just uh, a few verses from the book of Galatians that help us interpret these verses. Galatians chapter 3, verses uh, 7 through 9. Galatians 3, 7 through 9. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let's pray. Father, we've read your word. Now help us understand it and interpret it and apply it to our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Well, as I said, Carol and I live in Madrid. We've been living there almost 10 years. Uh, we love Madrid. It's a great place to live. It's a wonderful climate, wonderful people, beautiful architecture, all the things that you often think about when you think about Europe, the sidewalk, sidewalk cafes and the, the busy shopping opportunities and so forth, but it's not an easy place for a Christian. Um, and one of the challenges that we face as Christians and as missionaries living in Madrid is a question that 
you might never face, or at least not face in exactly the same way we do. People sometimes ask us, why are you here? Why'd you come? And uh, that might seem like a simple question, um, but it's really a hard question for us to answer. And here's why. If we say missionary, they're likely to say, well, where's your orphanage? Or where's your hospital? Or where's your school? Or all kinds of other more negative images could come to their mind. Where's your pith helmet? Or where, where are the savages that you're seeking to convert? Um, if we say, if I say I'm a pastor, well, well, the word pastor in Spanish is the same as shepherd. And so they're likely to say, and Spain is a country of a lot of sheep. So they're likely to say, and they have said this, believe it or not, where's your sheep? And this is in a city of, you know, six million people. Um, if you say you're an evangelist, they're going to go, seriously? I mean, like those guys we've seen on American television? Is that what you mean? And so we run the risk, no matter what we say, if we're going to tell the truth, that anything we might say might close the doors to a relationship before we ever get started, before we ever get a chance to build any kind of, a, of trust with them. Because the idea that somebody might come all the way to Spain in order to preach or proclaim or proselytize or convert or evangelize, that, that just never enters their mind and would seem uh, preposterous. And again, it might close the door. They might say, so you're here to impose your ideas on other people, right? You're here to uh, convert people to your beliefs, right? Uh, don't you understand that we're a Catholic country and we've had lots of religion for over 2,000 years? We don't need any more religion. And all of these are things that, that people have actually said to us. And they're based on a presupposition. They're based on the, the, the presupposition, which is the question that I want us to look at this morning, which is, is the attempt to convert people to Christ an unpardonable interference in their personal lives? Is the attempt to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ, is that a, in our day and time, is that an unpardonable interference in their personal lives? Because that is the reaction that we sometimes get from people, and I don't doubt that you probably get that reaction from people here as well if you try to be open about your faith in Christ here in Clarksville. Uh, so it's a question we both face. And really the only way I know to deal with that question is to take it to the Bible. That's our source, that's our authority, that's our manual, that's uh, where we should take questions like this. And one of the passages that helps me answer it is the one that we read from Genesis this morning. And there we find that God has revealed not only that he has created man, but that he has a plan for man. He has a, a desire, a design for man. And his desire is to heal the nations. His desire is to bring us back into relationship with him. His desire is for us to experience his love and his grace and his mercy. His, his plan is to restore us to fellowship with him. Uh, but furthermore, there's another step to that plan, and that is that he invites us to participate with him in bringing the nations back into fellowship with him. He invites us to participate in this plan of being a blessing to the nations. And so God has a plan, and we're a part of that. 
And if it's if this plan is not from God, then we're wrong to be a part of it. And if it is from God, then we're wrong not to be a part of it. So the passage that we read from Abraham was about how God would make him a blessing to the nations. He first of all called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, and then he made him or told him that he would make him a blessing to the nations. Um, Abraham, like Carol and I, received a call to leave his country, to leave his family background, to believe his to leave his culture, to leave his idols, and to go to a new place. Why? Because God wanted him to enter into a personal uh, relationship with him that needed to be carried out in a different context, a, a completely different place, and also so that he could become a blessing to future generations. So when it comes to God's plan, this passage, Genesis 12, really sets the agenda for the whole rest of the Bible. That's why Richard referred to it when, uh, when he did the baptism this morning, because it sets the agenda for the whole rest of the Bible. So regardless of whether you're in Ur of the Chaldees in 2000 B.C. or you're in Madrid in 2016 or Clarksville in 2016, the plan of God hasn't changed, and that is to be a blessing to the nations, which is ultimately, we know, fulfilled in Jesus Christ and coming to faith in him. Let me just read a couple of other verses that bring this out from the New Testament. Romans 15.8 says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, that's the Jewish people, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Christ became a servant to the circumcised to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. The patriarchs being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And also 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God, the covenantal promises, the ones that we've heard repeated this morning in the baptism, find their yes in him, in Christ. So we see that God confirmed his promises throughout the Old Testament as the covenantal promise of making Abraham a blessing to the nations was repeated to Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and so forth and ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So let's look at this plan a little more um, specifically, particularly, and I want to kind of illustrate it with how it's worked itself out in our little corner of the world in Madrid, Spain. First of all, God calls you to go to the nations like he did Abraham. Genesis 12.1, as we read, says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. God called Abraham so that he could be a blessing to the other nations. He was in this country of uh, what we call current-day Iraq, Ur of the Chaldees. Ur is a little town about 180 miles southeast of Baghdad. And God called him to leave that his hometown, and go to a faraway place. So it all began with the call of God. It all began with God's specific call on Abraham's life. And, it, and the reason for the call was because, as I said, God had a plan that he wanted to work out. Similarly, Carol and I believe that we've also heard a call from God. It's not the same call that Abraham got, 
But it is a deep inner conviction that God has called us to do something that is a part of of the outworking of God's plan. Uh, What is a call from God? People ask us that sometimes. It's not an easy thing to to articulate. It's it's a combination of both a deep internal conviction in your heart that you just got to do something that God has placed on your heart. But it's also an external thing in the sense that there are many verses right here in the Bible as, as I'm sure most of you know, that say God sends his people out with his message to the nations. And as we've read those and prayed over those, we've realized that we have been called by God to take the message of the gospel specifically to the people of Spain and formerly to Mexico where we, where we served previously. So we had this deep burden, this deep growing conviction that just wouldn't go away that God really wanted us to serve him in this way. We wanted other people to know the grace and the forgiveness and the peace of God that we had come to experience. And we wanted people to hear that message that wouldn't hear it if somebody didn't go to them. We wanted to go to a place where people had less access to the gospel message. And so it just wouldn't go away. And so that was that deep sense of call. Now, not everyone is called to take the gospel to a faraway culture. Not everyone has that privilege, at least that's the way we look at it. We we consider it a great privilege to serve in Spain. But some people do, and God seems to place that burden on some people uh, at some times, and that's why churches like this one send out and support and pray for missionaries. Uh, There's another person in the Bible that we know well that felt that same conviction. That was the Apostle Paul. And some of you may be, very, may be wrestling with that same sense of, is God calling me yourselves? Um, and if that is your calling, God will make it plain to you. Uh, listen to what Paul said to the Roman believers as he made his plans to go to Spain. He was going to visit the Roman believers in Rome, first of all. And he said, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. Since I no longer have any more room for work in these regions, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. Now, did you hear what he said? Paul is saying, I have a specific call. It's to go to where Christ has not been named. And I don't want you to go with me. No, I want you to stay where you are. But I want you to help me get to where I'm going. That's my calling, not yours, mine. I'm a missionary, so you stay home, and I'm going to go, but please support me. Please pray for me. Please stand with me, because I can't do this work alone. So that's the arrangement. Some send, and some go. And it's always been that way, and I believe it'll be that way until Jesus returns again. So God has his ways of making known to his people who are to be missionaries. Uh, I don't create missionaries. I don't, do, I don't go around from church to church recruiting people to be missionaries. I simply make clear to people that it is God's will, it is God's plan, it is his design that the nations would hear the gospel. And God, in his mysterious ways, lays it on the hearts of some people to go and some people to stay and support. Um, It's an amazing thing to watch that, by the way. Um, God calls some people who are young, some people who are middle-aged, some people who are 
older in life. Uh, our team in Madrid has, it had five couples on it. Now we're down to just two couples. Three young couples just finished their three-year terms in Madrid on our team. Young families with young children moving right into the heart of the city and sharing the gospel primarily with other young couples like themselves. They finished their terms. They're, two of those couples are back in Memphis now. One of them is in New York City. Uh, remaining on the field, well, there's one couple that's in their mid-60s. No, two couples that are in their mid-60s now. One of them just arrived. He retired from Marathon Oil Company, came from Houston, Texas, studied Spanish for a couple of years before he went to um, Madrid, and now they're spending two years serving as missionaries in their retirement years. Brand new missionaries. You know, God has his ways and his plans, and he works them out, and it's just uh, a mystery what he's doing. He doesn't reveal all the details to us, but it's an amazing thing to watch. The other couple is also in their 60s. He's been a pastor for 30 years in Boston and New York City, and, and now he's spent the last seven years in Madrid with us. So um, God calls, and, and some are to stay and support, and some are to go. Now you might say, well, yeah, but all Christians are called to share the gospel, right? And yes, that's right. Um, that's what all believers are to do. But this, this purpose doesn't define what a missionary is. It defines all Christians. All of us have been called out of the darkness, and all of us have been called to proclaim the excellencies of Christ to people who don't know him. But not all, not all of us are called to go to a faraway country, to leave our home, to leave our culture, to leave our language and learn a new language and adapt to a new culture and to proclaim Christ in a foreign country. That's what a missionary does, and it's a glorious calling, and we should... Uh, encourage people to move in that direction if that's the conviction that God has placed on their hearts. So that, in, that brings me to one of the questions that I want to press home with you this morning, which is um, I see that part of my purpose in being here is simply to ask you, is God calling you? Because he might be. There might be people here this morning in this congregation who God has laid it on your heart to take the gospel to a faraway place. And you might need to say to God, to your pastor, to me, you might need to say something like, you know, I'm not infallible, but I do believe that God has been at work in my heart, uh, in my life, to move me out, to move me to a new place, to leave my present situation, and to become a cross-cultural missionary to a faraway place, a long-term missionary. Some of you, some of you are called, just as Carol and I have been called. And we want to encourage you, I want to encourage you, to respond to that call if God's placed it on your heart. He might just be doing that in your heart and your life today. So that's the first real answer that we give if somebody wants to hear it, uh, if they're patient enough to listen to it, as to why we go to Spain. It's fundamentally, at bottom, a sense of the call of God. Quickly, I want to go over two other responses to that that, um, that are here in your bulletin, in your outline. Uh, secondly, the second reason why we go to Spain is because God has promised to bless the nations through us, through you. God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. 
to all the families of the earth. Through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And it's interesting to note, if you read through the book of Genesis, some of you read through the Bible in every year, and you're, that means you're in the book of Genesis right now, probably. And uh, you know that this promise, this uh, call, and this promise to Abraham is repeated many times through the book of Genesis. I'm reading through it right now, and I've noticed seven, I've counted seven times that God has repeated this call and this promise to Abraham. Uh, Genesis 15.5, And God brought Abraham outside and said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars if you are able to, to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he repeated the same promise to Isaac and to Jacob, confirming that through them the nations of the earth would be blessed. And what was he referring to? As we've already noted, it eventually culminates in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as the as the way of reconciliation to God and uh, finding peace with God. Let me just sum it up uh, quickly with notes that you would find in the ESV study Bible um, that says it very concisely. The blessing of Abraham sets the stage for the story of Israel, but also for the story of Christ and his church. We note in Luke's, we note Luke's many references to Abraham in Luke chapters 1 and 2. You know, that's where we find the story of the birth of Christ. Peter also confirms that all nations will be, will be blessed in Abraham, Acts 3.25. Jesus is the true offspring of Abraham. Paul argues that God's promise to Abraham extends equal citizenship to all in God's kingdom. Any Jew or Gentile who believes in the Lord Jesus is a child of God and of Abraham. God's gracious provision of secure salvation in Christ is not offered to a privileged few. It is for the entire world. It is for all nations. So, in a nutshell, there you have the plan of God to bless the nations to, through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, ultimately through the Lord Jesus Christ, and through us receiving him by faith and proclaiming that same message to the nations. Um, and then my third point is that God will fulfill his promise to the nations through us. First of all, the call of God, then the promise of God to bless, and then the fulfillment of that promise. And to understand how God fulfills that promise, um, we have to go to Galatians 3, which I read at the beginning, where we see how Paul interprets these verses from Genesis. He says in Galatians 3.8, Scripture preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And then Galatians 3.29 develops that further, where it says, If you are Christ's, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. In other words, anyone who belongs to Christ is a child of Abraham, and a consequence of, or a fulfillment of, that promise that was given to Abraham way back in Genesis 12. Now, thinking about this personally, and how it's worked out in my life and Carol's life, you know, Carol and I, we both grew up in religious families, and families that went to church every Sunday as children, but we didn't become children of Abraham until we were about 20 years old. Both of us were sophomores in college when we became Christians. And we began to understand 
what it meant to be a true child of Abraham or a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're synonymous terms. In other words, we've grown up with a lot of religion, but we didn't know the true meaning, the true power, the transforming power of a relationship with God. And that is, um, that's very similar to the experience that we've seen of a lot of people in Spain where we work. We see people who've grown up in a religious tradition, a country that's full of religious symbolism, religious holidays, religious uh, art all over the place, beautiful churches all over the place, but very few people that say, I'm a child of Abraham. I know the Lord Jesus Christ. I walk with him. He blesses me. He answers my prayer. I commune with him on a regular basis. Very, very rare. Um, but we had the privilege of taking the message of the gospel to those people and showing them that we're not bringing a new religion to Spain. We're not trying to introduce our religious ideas. We want them to know that Jesus Christ came so that they could experience his love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. So let me just mention a, the names of a few people to you. I know you don't know these people, but these are people that you've prayed for as you've prayed for us over in Spain. These are the people that your dollars have gone towards so that we could take the gospel to them. And I just feel that you ought to know the names and a little bit about some of these people because it helps you realize that this is the, the, the fruit of your investment. Uh, the first one is a, a man, an unusual name. His name is Zoilo. Z-O-I-L-O. Zoilo. He's 88 years old. He has a third grade education. But he's a spry, uh, energetic old man. And he still dances flamenco. Uh, and he still cuts up jokes every day when, I mean, when we go, we see him at church on Sunday. He became a Christian about four years ago. Uh, he can hardly read, but he can read. But he comes faithfully every Saturday afternoon to our Bible study because he wants to read and know the Word of God at 88 years old. Uh, gloriously born again. Another woman, Gabriela. Gabriela is um, a divorced woman. Her husband horribly abused her. She's middle-aged now. She's about 50-something. Uh, um, but she came to faith in Christ, and God has worked in her heart to give her a great love for children's ministry. So she runs the children's ministry at the church that we started and worked with. So there's another example. Uh, another, there's several Muslim women that come every Saturday afternoon to our um, worship service. They can't publicly profess their faith in Christ because if they were, they know that their husbands would probably beat them or abandon them. But they conf have confided to me and one of the other pastors um, that they love and follow Jesus. And they come regularly to hear his word and to grow in their faith. Uh, there's another young man, Daniel, a Peruvian Jew. You don't think about Peruvians being Jewish, do you? But uh, he came to Christ about, well, he's known about the gospel for a long time, but he made a firm commitment to Christ last year in, our, in his premarital counseling class, etc. Those are just some of the examples of the people that we've had the privilege of either discipling or leading to Christ for the first time. These are children of Abraham, just like you are. And then there's also the national leaders that we work with. We try to help them start new churches. So there's Noel 
a young man of 28 years old from Nicaragua who started a church in the town of Saragossa. Uh, he, with his own sweat labor, um, rented a small lo uh, locale, a small storefront in downtown part of this uh, city, city of 700,000 people, and has evangelized and reached out to other immigrants like himself and started a church that now has about 35 or 40 people uh, on Sunday morning. There's Guillermo, who's from Colombia. Notice that I'm mentioning several Latin Americans. There's a lot of Latin American immigrants in Spain. Guillermo took an old dead church and is bringing it back to life, essentially a church plant because he had to almost start all over again. And then there's Fabio and Elisa uh, uh, Dinitz, hard to say their last name. They're a Brazilian couple who've moved to Madrid, moved into the edgy, kind of artsy scene of Madrid and are reaching out to other people like them uh, in that part of the city. And then there's people that are still on the way, people that Carol has sewed uh, into through her book club that are not Christians yet, but they're reading and studying a book called... Um, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Uh, using that book uh, to help them learn English, but also to share the gospel with them. And there's Belen, Carol's good friend, that is just as stubborn and proud and hard to get through to as you can imagine, and yet she doesn't give up. She she doesn't let go of us as her friends. And Carol and Belen take long walks through the park in front of our house and talk about life and Christ and God and so forth. So that gives you, I know that's just a snapshot. You should have come to Sunday school to hear the long story. <laughs> but um, we just really count it as a privilege to be sharing the gospel in that part of the world. And we want to encourage you to continue to do the same here in Clarksville. And, as I already said, if God has put it on your heart to go to a faraway place like Madrid, then please talk to me or talk to Richard and let us know that. Because that's, that's, we want to encourage the work of God in your heart. So let me just conclude by leaving you with this personal word, and that would be to ask you, first of all, have you received the blessing of Abraham? Can you say for sure, I am a child of Abraham? I'm a child of God. I'd be remiss if I didn't leave you, first of all, with that question. Do you know for sure that you're one of those stars in the sky or one of those grains of sand on the seashore? that God spoke to Abraham about? That's the most important question this morning. And then secondly, if you are, is he calling you to, to take the gospel to one of these faraway places? If he is, speak to him about that and then speak to Richard or me. We'd love to encourage you in that work. Thank you again for supporting us and for praying for us and for just standing with us in our work in Madrid. We love you and we appreciate it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this call that you gave to Abraham that you have passed on to us. We consider it a privilege to be your children, and we consider it a great privilege to take the gospel to faraway places, as well as to those who live next door to us, to those who are right here in Clarksville that we live and work with. Help us in that task, encourage us, and uh, we simply desire to be faithful to your call. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.